Life Audio. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Sparkle Speak. I'm your host, Catherine. Today, we have on our very special guest, Michelle Couchat. Michelle is an international speaker, and she's published a variety of books, including her fourth book, A Faith That Will Not Fail, which comes out March 28th, 2023. She's a three-time head and neck cancer survivor and parent of children from hard places. Michelle is a reluctant expert of trauma, pain, and the deep human need for authentic connection and enduring faith. She and her husband, Troy, share a blended family of six children, including biological children, stepchildren, and foster adopt children. They live on eight acres outside of Denver, Colorado. Her fourth book is the one that we discussed on today's interview, and it's called A Faith That Will Not Fail, 10 Practices to Build Up Your Faith When Your World is Falling Apart. It's a practical resource for those desiring a more grounded spiritual life and yearning to find hope in the trenches. Through 10 faith practices, including lament, waiting, and connection, Michelle serves as a friend, walking readers through powerful personal, historical, and biblical stories of people who demonstrated extraordinary faith in impossible circumstances. In the end, readers will discover new strength and fresh hope that they too can have a faith that will not fail. In our interview, we talk a lot about why a good God would let bad things happen, and I know that for me, that is a big question to wrap your brain around and Michelle offered some fresh insight into that. I really enjoyed discussing these things with her. She was just so inspiring, full of hope and had a lot of great practical things to share. So I know you're going to love hearing from Michelle and after a few words from our sponsors, we will get right into hearing her story. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Well, why don't we dive right in? Um, Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, okay. So my name is Michelle Kishat. I'm a, I always start with the personal stuff because that's kind of really more of our life, right? So I'm married. I have six kids. That's a whole story in and of itself. My kids are ages 30, 29, 26, uh, 16, 15, 15. And the two 15-year-olds are about to turn 16. So I'll have three 16-year-olds. So (laughs) So that's my personal life. I live in Colorado. Um, I'm a writer and speaker. I've written four books. I travel and speak internationally on um, really the subjects of faith and suffering. Uh, It's not a message I chose. It's not one that I would want to talk about. And yet my story has lended itself to the fact that really my you could say my area of expertise or the thing that God has really uh, been working on me and in my 50 years of living is this intersection between um, how do we believe in God when we are in so much pain and we deal with so much suffering and so much hardship? What does it look like to be people of faith in places of pain? 
Yeah. And can you expand a little bit on that? Like what experiences have you had specifically that have kind of helped shape your view of God or kind of brought this to your attention that this is what you specifically are dealing with? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to give you a very, very abbreviated version, which is going to sound like, I always like to warn people, it's going to sound like I'm delivering it without like dispassionately, but it's mainly for the sake of time. Um, I, I was raised in a home. My parents became Christians when I was less than a year old. So my parents had a very nominal faith background and um, one of my dad's coworkers invited him to church and, and he was intrigued and went. So for those of you who are listening, who really have no experience with faith, that was my parents. Like they had none, no experience at all. And it was just something they were curious about. And so my parents went to church with that coworker and started to read the Bible. And uh, it really resonated with my dad in particular. And so they became Christians and started following Jesus when I was less than a year old. Um, So even though my parents had no faith background, I have the opposite where I don't know life without faith, a part of it. That's been part of my story from the beginning. However, um, because I had this sort of innocence around faith, I had a belief, you know, right or wrong. I came to think that if you follow Jesus, you're going to have a good life. That if you um, love God and do what's right and go do what's wrong, that that means that God is on the hook to give you a great life. And so um, I tried my best to be a quote unquote good Christian girl, right? To do all the right things. Um, And then I became an adult and my life fell apart. Like literally I had decades of consecutive losses. And this is where I'm just going to kind of rattle some of this off. Um, I I got married to a husband, had a child. And uh, when my child was one and a half, I watched my husband drive away for the last time right before Christmas and overnight became a divorced single mom in my late 20s. That was shocking to me. I had no idea what to do with that. Was a single mom for a number of years, eventually met a man at church, uh, remarried. He had two kids. So we had a blend of family. And as it turns out, step family, blended family is not easy. It's actually very, very complicated. So here I am once again, trying so hard to be a good Christian girl and all these complications are happening. Um, Fast forward, you know, about 10 years into that marriage. And we finally think we're getting over the hump of that. And I end up being diagnosed with cancer unexpectedly at the age of 39. And so uh, to, again, make it very abbreviated, I had an ulcer on the side of my tongue that wouldn't heal we all get those. It's no big deal. However, in my case, it turned out to be squamous cell carcinoma of the tongue, which is cancer of the tongue. I didn't even know that existed. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, and so here I was, 39 years old, very, very healthy, um, a mom, and uh, I'm facing cancer. And uh, that completely wrecked me. Um, that initial diagnosis was one where it was caught early and the best possible scenario. And they said, we got it all. You have nothing to worry about, except that they were wrong. And cancer came back two more times in the four or five years following that. So, and the last time of which was so serious that uh, they had to do a nine hour surgery. They took out two thirds of my tongue. They had, you can, you know, you can see, I've, you, you can see listeners can't, but I have scars all over my neck. They had to, do incisions on my neck, on my arm, my leg to kind of like a Humpty Dumpty put me back together again. In addition, they did radiation and chemotherapy, pretty extensive radiation and chemotherapy that, you know, basically by the time all was said and done, I had third degree burns from my nose to chest. 
I had a tracheostomy, a feeding tube. I had scars all over my body. I weighed just barely over a hundred pounds, about 110 pounds and with skin and bones. Basically they had to take me to the brink of death in, in the hopes of maybe saving my life. So that's part of the cancer journey. Uh, and then in the middle of all of that, my dad was diagnosed uh, with terminal pancreatic cancer and died. We foster adopted three kids with a history of abuse and neglect and trauma, which comes with its own um, kind of, when you bring trauma into your family, it adds trauma to you, right? And I could go on and on. We've had church conflicts. We've had you know, job loss. We've had all kinds of stuff like that in the last 30 years that are significant. So all of that, when we talk about how it impacts our faith, I had this innocent early faith that God's follow God and God's on the hook to give you a good life. You know, the whole verse, John 10, 10, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And then adulthood, it was nothing but loss, you know, divorce, remarriage, stepfamily, cancer, loss of close loved ones, kids who struggled, teenagers who struggled, all of that, and go, how do I reconcile this God who was supposed to bring peace to my life with the fact that my life is anything but peaceful. Wow. So is that um, part of what inspired you to write your new book? Yes, definitely. So, you know, I've, again, grew up on faith, you know, the Bible, reading about Jesus, going to church, having this, and then what does that look like walking it out in real life? What does Mm -hmm. it look like to take these Bible verses, these truths, and walk it out in a life that is so incredibly complicated. And it's not easy. And so I went through many, many different seasons where I really wrestled with what I believe to be true. And so this book, A Faith That Will Not Fail, um, it's called A Faith That Will Not Fail, 10 Practices to Build Up Your Faith When Your World Was Falling Apart. It was my attempt to kind of peel back and say, okay, how do we stay people of faith even when both our circumstances and even at times faith itself doesn't seem to make sense. Mm, that's really good. I'm excited to get my hands on this because it sounds so relatable. And I, I want to, you know, learn more about these 10 practices that you have experienced. Yeah. If you could answer this question just kind of broadly, which I'm um I'm assuming you answer this question in your book a little bit, but if God is is real and good, how do you think he allows bad things to happen yeah, like this? I know. That's the question everybody wants a really nice, neat answer to. I think, mm-hmm. you know, uh, first of all, we all want to have a black and white answer to that. So that way we don't have to wrestle with this anymore. However, I'm not entirely convinced that we really want it to be an easy answer because if it was an easy answer, God would be too small. Mm-hmm. Like if we could wrap ourselves around God's godness, would he really be big enough to be God? Like if we could understand him, would he really be big enough to be God? Yeah. And so, you know, if the mystery is solved, all of a sudden God becomes so manageable that he's not this all powerful, all wise, all knowing kind of God. He's really too small. And so there is some arrogance in our wanting to have everything explained to us. In other words, we want to make him very human. And at our, at our core, I don't think that's what we really want. Mm-hmm. But you know, why does he allow that to happen? Part of my journey is one, acknowledging that I actually really do need God to be God. That means I need him to be beyond figuring out. That's good. Mm-hmm. That actually makes me feel safe. Remember when you were a little kid and you had, you know, if you had a good relationship with your dad and you would 
be driving in the car on a trip and you felt so safe because your dad was so capable and so strong and he could drive and he could do it all night long and stay awake. And you had such confidence because he was so much bigger and smarter and wiser than you were. And that was a very secure feeling. Yeah. So the initial part of my faith journey is that's what I need God to be. I need him to be so big, so beyond my figuring out, so powerful, so beyond me that I feel a sense of security and even the mystery of him. Mm. But then the next part of my faith journey, as I wrestle with this question of, you know, how can God allow bad things to happen is, can I, is it possible that my definition of good and bad is incomplete? Mm. Right? And I'm going to explain, right? So uh, I don't believe God caused my cancer. I don't believe he looked at me and zapped me and said, you're going to have cancer. I don't think that God is good. I don't think that's what he does. However, he didn't stop it, right? He didn't intervene. And I had it three times. So there is there is the fact that he allowed it to happen. But as awful as it was, as terrible as it was, as much as I would never want to go back to that place of suffering, I can't deny the extraordinary, uh, you can call it benefits or rewards or gains that came not in spite of cancer, but as a direct result of it. Mm-hmm. The fact that I'm sitting here having this conversation with you about faith would have never happened without the suffering, mm-hmm. right? So then is that good or bad? Or is it possible that it's both, mm-hmm. right? And it's a horrible suffering. However, God, yes, he allowed it, quote unquote, okay? But what's even better and more comforting to me is the fact that when these bad things happen, and by the way, Jesus made it very clear in this world, you will have trouble. Like there was no promise of the human experience being without pain and suffering. It it always was an assumption that this is part of the human experience. But when you have God in your life, that means no matter what happens, no matter how bad it is, it won't be wasted. All right, everyone, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will hear more from Michelle. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Mm -hmm. It won't be meaningless. It won't be without some kind of redemptive power. Amen. And so 
that's been kind of my journey of going, I think God wept with me when I was suffering. I think he grieves with me at all the losses. Yeah, I, again, you can't have two thirds of your tongue taken out and significant burn scars on the inside of your mouth and throat and esophagus and trachea without having daily pain and suffering. Like I deal with chronic disability and suffering. Mm-hmm. Even so, like God weeps with that. He's like, but Michelle, I'm, I'm grieved. I am, I'm weeping with you, but trust me, I'm not going to let it be wasted. Yeah. We're going to use this and you're going to see so much redemption from this. That is so beautiful. Thank you. What a treat that you shared that. Um, and I do, th- this came to mind as well when I was kind of, you know, processing what you're saying. So, it's, you know, the Bible gives us a lot of phrases to help us to be joyful through hardships, mm-hmm. like rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances. Um, but when does that, if, if that's where our focus is, where we're just trying to be joyful and rejoice in suffering, does it ever have a chance to become toxic positivity? Absolutely. You know, God is not asking us in those verses to deny reality. He's not saying, I want you to lie about your hard circumstances. It's so important. Paul, one of the verses you were talking about is 1 Thessalonians 5, when Paul said, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, it's so important. There's one word in there that we have to pay attention to. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. So, you know, God's not asking us to be masochistic, to say, I'm so thankful that I'm suffering. I'm so thankful that I have cancer. I'm so thankful that my child died. I'm so thankful that my husband left me. That's not what, I mean, that's just, um, that's dishonest. That's a lacking of integrity. That's not what he's asking for. It's give thanks in all circumstances. And when you're the only way that you and I can give thanks in all circumstances, if we are grounded on the reality of what I just talked about before, that God is good. And no matter what happens, it won't be wasted in his hands. Yeah. That we can trust him there. It becomes toxic positivity when at church and somebody is suffering, we keep telling them, chin up, be happy. Everything's fine. God's in control. Wait a second. No. No, the Bible is full of evidences of lament and weeping and allowing ourselves to be sad while still maintaining gratefulness for God's goodness in those places. Yeah, absolutely. Because I th- I think in church cultures, sometimes, and depending on different personalities and such, it can be hard to find that balance where it's totally. like, you know, let's let's sit and lament and weep and come around this person, but also lift them up and encourage them and yeah. try to help them be grateful. So yeah, that's that's very good advice from you. And in, and then, in the book, we have the whole practice. I talk about the practice of lament, what that looks like, giving ourselves permission to grieve. And in one of my big reminders is remember before Jesus walked out of a tomb, he grieved in the garden. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before the resurrection, there was mourning, right? There was sadness. There was grief. What happened in the garden of Gethsemane was nothing but grief and lament and heaviness. And yet he did it with hope of God's purposes, even there. I mean, that's such a perfect example for uh, for us to follow of the simultaneous nature of grief and worship and praise all at the same time, that they go hand in hand. They're not separate activities. They're together. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I'm, I'm excited to, to read more about what you have to say about that. And <clears throat> another question too. So, you know, in today's culture, we have social media, everyone posts their, you know, 
best moments. And, and, yeah. and, and really I do it too. I mean, I, I try so hard to be mindful of this, but I'm guilty of it. I mean, if my child is having a straight up tantrum on the floor, I'm not sitting there with a video camera, like <laughs> posting yes. it, but if he's being all cute, like making cookies, know, I'll probably right? post that. So yeah. how do you think we navigate suffering in light of the fact that we look at everyone and just think that they're having this mm-hmm. happy life around Perfect us? life. Well, and that's been part of what I've tried to do in my ministry is to pull back the veil a bit and and be as authentic and vulnerable as possible. And, you know, I always have to be careful that I'm not just doom and gloom all the time. But, you know, to let's keep this in balance. There's a lot of good in life and do that. But let's be clear. This is hard. This is hard. My life is not rosy. It's not easy. In fact, it's very, very complicated. Let's tell the truth about that. We don't necessarily need to post the videos of the tantrums, but, you know, you and I being able to tell the truth about the fact that, you know what, I blew it today. I messed up. I was not a great mom today, but tomorrow's a new day and I can find out a new way to do it tomorrow or whatever. You know, navigating that and being able to tell the truth, you and I can only tell the truth about our reality the more that we acknowledge our need of a savior. So if we are driving toward needing to be perfect, needing to have everything together, we can't expose our vulnerable places. But once we get really grounded in the gospel, which is the truth that um, that God still loved us, that even though we were beyond rescue, even though we were so broken, so sinful, he goes, I'm going to redeem them. I love them. I'm going to go get them. And uh, that we didn't earn it. We didn't merit it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. He just came and saved us because we loved us. The most, the more we get grounded in that, the more safe we feel exposing our brokenness and the parts of our life that are not perfect. Because guess what? It's already done. The price has already been paid. We've already been rescued. We have nothing to hide. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And it, it does, it, it speaks into what you were saying earlier about how, yeah, we don't have to be like, jumping for joy that we go through these really difficult things but the beauty that comes from it is is seeing that um we don't have to be perfect like Jesus meets us there and he brings right there. such glory and happiness from our hardships and i see it in your life and the things that you're talking about and so yeah thank you for the the reminders of that today and mm-hmm. and um if anyone is relating to this or you know just really eating up what you're saying like i am um when will <laughs> your book be out and where can we find it yeah. Yes. So A Faith That Will Not Fail comes out uh, March 28th. uh, So just in a few weeks. Uh, And you can actually pre-order it now anywhere. You can find it at Target. You can find it at Barnes & Noble, at Amazon, any of your kind of major book resellers. You can find it, pre-order it right now for anybody who pre-orders. We have some kind of really exclusive content that I created that are, is only for people who pre-order. So I created an 11th practice. So the book has 10 practices. I created the 11th practice, which is the practice of prayer. So prayer is something that I've always struggled with. You know, people are always surprised when I say that. And I'm like, let's just tell the truth. Prayer is hard. I have to sit still or, you know, what, how do I do this thing? Mm-hmm. So I did an 11th practice, the practice of prayer, and it does not appear in the book. And for anybody who pre-orders, you can, uh, you can get that 11th practice and start reading right now. So you can find out all about those bonuses on my website, which is michellekashat.com. It's Michelle with one L, Kashat with two T's, and you can just sign up and it gets delivered right to you. Amazing. Thank you. Yeah. I really hope 
people check it out. I, I think that um, the wisdom you offer is really insightful. And this is a hard topic. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. This is one of the biggest hangups that Christians and non-Christians have with, with faith. Yeah. And so, it's true. yeah, thank you for talking about it. And and like you said, it's not wasted. The things you've gone through not wasted. clearly using not it. Wasted. <laughs> and for those of you who are in a place that are struggling right now, uh, just know that nothing's wrong with you. You know, our questions about uh, spiritual matters are part of being a living, breathing, thinking human being, right? Um, And as we wrestle, it simply means your brain is trying to process the reality of your circumstances and this hope of God. And that's okay. Nothing's wrong with you. But this is my challenge. Don't stop searching. That's really the challenge. Um, All of those questions you have, all of those doubts, all of the things that you're wrestling with, they're worth wrestling with. Keep searching. The truth is the truth. It will stand and God will lead you to himself. everyone thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of sparkle speak as always you can find us at sparklefaith.com or head over to our partners at lifeaudio.com to hear more podcasts just like this one don't forget to rate subscribe leave us a review follow us on spotify all of it is so helpful for promoting our podcast and making sure more people can listen to these incredible stories if you have a story of faith that you would like to share and possibly be featured on our podcast you can also go to the forum that i have listed in the show notes, fill that out on the link. And we would love, love, love to hear yours. So we are in this together. I love, love, love locking arms with all of you. Please go in peace and we will see you back here for the next episode of Sparkle Speak. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry. Your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.